Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Tactical Yanks podcast, your podcast for soccer in America and around the world. I'm your co-host, Pete Douthit, and I am joined by my fellow co-host, Filippo Silva, and welcome to the Tactical Yanks podcast. Hopefully you enjoy. We'll be talking about U.S. soccer, European soccer, South American soccer, the World Cup, and much more. All right, guys, welcome to episode 56 of the Tactical Yanks podcast. I'm here, Pete Douthit, your co-host with Filippo Silva from Tactical Manager TV. How you doing, man? We, we're coming. We're at the end of the season, pretty much. La Liga still has one more game, but other than that, it's over. Yeah, I consider it pretty much over. I'm ready for the summer. I know you are, too. Uh, hasn't been... Uh, so, I think the season hasn't been as bad as we think because the main issue was our best players had bad seasons. That's the problem. But overall, we had some good things happening this season, but I'm ready to move on. I'm kind of ready to see the transfers that are going to happen. A lot of our players are going to get transfers in the summer because it's going to be a busy summer. Nations League Gold Cup, the U20s that we're going to talk about today a little bit as well. They've been doing great in the U20 World Cup, and we looking yeah. at the bracket, it's looking very promising. A possible semifinal run, which would be amazing for U.S. soccer, but that's all. I think the season is pretty much over in my eyes. Yeah, we had a couple of relegations. Well, we had one relegation so far, and that is the Leeds boys are gone. No real surprise. This We saw this coming for a while now. Um couldn't even put up a good fight against Tottenham on the final day. Jesse's gone. Adams is injured. Aronson was benched. Weston is done. He's going back to Juve. You know, that's the. it looks like that's the only relegation we're going to have. There's still a chance Celta Vigo could get relegated with Luca De La Torre, but they have one more game this weekend. Let's see how that one goes. We also had a couple of promotions. Um, Ethan Horvath with Luton Town getting promoted. We'll see if he stays there or not. Uh, and then Leonard Maloney with Heidenheim got promoted to the Bundesliga. So two promotions, two relegations, Adams and Aronson. Reports coming out today that Aronson could move. There's a, apparently a relegation clause. Um, I'm not sure how I feel about this. Do you want me to talk kind of, about it? Yeah, I, I hear your thoughts. I, I The thing with that one is, to me, it's quite clear. I've had interactions with agents and I've had issues with agents. That's why a lot of the times... We even lose our sources with that. With that said, what I wanted to say about the agents right there, it's quite clear to me what they're trying to do. Aronson has a relegation release clause, which just means that there's an amount that if a club pays right now, they don't even have to negotiate with leads. He's released to go elsewhere. The agent gave that information to Tom Bogert just to put it out there and see if someone is willing to pay that fee. It didn't seem like the fee was disclosed. If it's anything near what leads paid for him, He's staying. No one's paying that. No, no one's, one's going to pay thirty million. So that's what I think happens. Just the agent giving Tom Bogart some information, which is a which is real information, because he wants to put it out there to see if some club goes and hey Leeds, what is the relegation release clause? Oh, it's thirty million. We're out. Oh, it's ten million. Okay, maybe it's worth taking a risk on this player. That's all it is. Uh, there's probably no interest. Aronson had a very underwhelming season. I can only see someone trying to sign him if it's a very low fee, like $10 million? Sure, there will be teams trying to take a gamble of that. If it goes above 20 I just don't see anyone buying it. And, and I, I kind of said the same for Tyler. Tyler, I can definitely see a lot of teams wanting to pay if it's like $20 million. Once you start to reach the $30 million range, there are better players they can sign. So... Yeah, uh, Tyler probably has a relegation release clause. The only question is, what is the amount? Yeah, I think for Brendan, though, if it's a Premier League club, he should say no. 
Like I think Brendan needs to understand his level and I could see if it's a Bundesliga club, right? I think Brendan would actually be okay in the Bundesliga, but no Bundesliga team apart from the top three are going to be able to afford 10 million for a Brendan Aronson type player. They just don't pay that kind of money, you know? So I think it's okay for Brendan to spend a year in the championship and to continue to develop, try to find his level. If he has an amazing year in the championship next year, then okay. Maybe we look at some, some options for him, you know, but right now I don't think Brendan should be in a hurry to get back to the Premier League after that season. But let me ask you one thing. Should Tyler Adams be desperate for a move or just kind of looking for a move as long as it's the right one? Because the way I see Tyler is this, the only reason for me that I think he should leave Leeds is if he finds a club where you look at it and it's like, this is a very good landing spot. He's coming in to be a starter. It's a tougher league. Like the Premier League is tougher than the championship or top five league. Otherwise, I don't think he should leave Leeds for anything just to be in a top league. He should find the right one because his situation leads. If he stays, okay, two seasons in the championship, that's too much for Tyler. If he stays one season, helps them get promoted, I'm okay with that. I just don't want him to go to a club. Like they speculated Manchester United, which I don't think it's even real. But why would you want him to go to a club where he's going to be fighting for a backup spot, right? Fighting for a backup spot. That's what I wanted to ask you. Should Tyler Adams be desperately looking for a club? Yes. Yes. I, I think he's too good for the championship. And I think he needs to go find a club. I also think there will be interest from realistic clubs, even if it's the Bundesliga, you know, um, Premier League clubs will be interested in him. But if it's Manchester United, I agree with you. He should say no. Like why he said, is he I don't too think... good for the championship, though? What do you mean? Why? Like he is. Well, he's, he's, well let's he's not go a championship back. level player. Well, but again, let's go back to Fulham two years ago. Mitrovic, uh, in his position, he's a better player than Tyler Adams. He went back and played in the championship. He had many yeah, players. Yeah, but he could played. have left. Ivan Tony, Ivan Tony played in the championship till he was 24, right? Tyler Adams, I, I don't think he's too good for the championship. I think he would be one of the best players in the championship, but I don't think he's that levels above. He was literally playing for Leeds, which was one of the worst teams in the Premier League, just in front of Southampton. But one could even argue they're, they're about the same level as Southampton, right? They're about the same level as the worst one. So I think he's probably one of the best players in the championship. I don't think he's too good for the championship. My concern is that he won't get pushed enough in the championship, right? His, his weaknesses won't be exposed or highlighted as much in the championship. And I think for our starting six and our captain to be in the championship is just not a good thing from a USMNT perspective. And like you said, if there was only interest from t like big teams that want him to be a, a squad player, then I agree with you. But I think there's enough interest from Premier League teams. There will be enough interest from Premier League teams and Tyler Adams that I think he'll be fine um, going back to the Premier League. So I'm okay with that. I'm just saying that it, it has to be the ideal spot. And we have to see also, because we've got to keep in mind, we don't know what the relegation release clause is. It yeah, we have to see what that money is like. It could be $30 million. If it's $30 million, do you think West Ham, for example, which would be a good landing spot for him considering Declan Rice will probably leave, do you think they would pay 30 for Tyler? I, I don't think they would pay that. I doubt amount. it. I doubt but, it. But if yeah. it's 20, if it's 20, which is what Leeds roughly paid, yes, I can totally see West Ham going. It's like, yeah, bring him in. That's a good price for Tyler Adams. It really depends because I know Leeds will have to sell players uh, to, to stay afloat because there is a big revenue drop, but they will also keep a lot of the good players that they have, the useful ones, right? Uh, they, they'll probably sell 
Ignoto or Sinistera, one or another, will probably be sold, or maybe both. They already got rid of Weston McKinney, so the wages go down. Uh, Roca apparently is going to go to La Liga. That's what they're saying. If they lose all these players, they will try to keep a few. And if, yeah. if Tyler Adams is that guy that they might just go and say, look, I'm not going to take a loss on you. You played well in the Premier League. If someone wants to, to take you, they pay what we want. Yeah, it's, an, it's simple. It's a, it's a relegation clause. If they activate it, he goes. If nobody's willing to activate it, he stays. But I think mm-hmm. it this speaks to a bigger thing of all of our players need to be a little more thoughtful sometimes about their destinations, right? Like I think Pepe, you know, made the wrong move going to Augsburg. I think now it seems like the right move to stay in the Eredivisie for a better team, right? That's the right move. Mm-hmm. Going to a big club. And the problem, like you talked about too, with agents is agents want money, right? They're more interested in the instant money than the long-term career of the player. Because also agents think like this. If this player gets an ACL injury tomorrow, it might ruin his career. And then the money down the line is not going to be that good. So let's take the money while it's available. And so Mm -hmm. oftentimes, and this happens with not just American players, they push players to take the money move instead of the move that's better for their career in the long term. Right? We could say this with Dest. We can say this with uh, Weston, definitely, with his Leeds move. Mm -hmm. Um, Certainly, we can say it with Pepe going to Augsburg. Right? So it's just about players being more thoughtful about clubs that they join and and making sure it's a realistic level that pushes them, but is not also so high that they're just not that level of a player. You know, I think Aronson, you know, from Salzburg to the Premier League was a very big jump. And to a degree, I understand it. Jesse was there. You thought, oh, this is a cool American project to be a part of, but you got to be realistic about your level as a player. And where's a good place for you to continue to develop, especially when you're young. You know, um, so that's, I think, an area that all of our players can do better in, you know, the people around them have to be talking to them and, and you need to sur- surround yourself with knowledgeable people because a lot of their parents honestly have no idea what they're talking about when it comes to the game. They just, oh, that's a big club. Yeah. It's this cool opportunity. Is it? Yeah, it's a cool opportunity, but you want the opportunity that's going to give you the greatest chance of success. I mean, look at Holland, the best striker in the world right now, in my opinion, Right. This guy went from Molde in the Norwegian league, had interest from Manchester United, from big clubs. Nope. Went to Salzburg. Okay. And then from Salzburg, there was even more interest. Nope. Went to Dortmund. And then he made that big move to Manchester City. Like that should be the model for our players. Gradually increase your level when you're dominating at that level, then you move on. And I think Mm -hmm. that's a lesson that all of our players could learn. And I think USMNT fans can learn too because we got to stop linking our players and believing fake transfer rumors that because every week you see a USMNT player linked to a Premier League title contender, a Champions League contender, a, a Serie A contender. It's like, guys, we need to relax a few things. For example, the I'll go back to that the Jesus to Napoli transfer rumor. Absurd. That it's almost a meme, right? It almost yeah. sounds like a joke. You're talking about a team that in terms of performance was the top five, top three team in the world. And then you're going to bring a striker that looked like an amateur center forward against the Dutch team. So that's something that we need to learn, too, as not we, but some some U.S. men's national team fans can't stop believing everything they say. And I think we're a lot of them are learning as they see how players are doing abroad. Right. Yeah. It, it, how much more difficult it is the struggles they go through. Aronson, as you said, he should absolutely stay with Leeds in the championship. Yeah. Absolutely stay. That's the level. Uh, we also had the tweet from Weston's dad where he quote tweeted Harambi. Uh, 
<laughs> if you saw it, you saw it. I'm not going to read it. I, no one really understood it. It just didn't make any sense. But he didn't delete it. The, the The tweet also got 5 million views as of now so or interaction. So as of now, it went viral. If that was his goal, it went viral. I don't know if it was on purpose, if it was on accident. I don't know, man. That, that was a weird one. It was a wild weekend. We also had a lot of issues with Leeds fans and Weston. Uh, I, I'm kind of glad part of this thing is done, the whole Leeds US thing. And, and hopefully a lot of people also learn because I remember people asking for Pulisic to go to Leeds. You remember that time? Yeah, I remember that. And and we kept saying, like, no, please, no. Now you all know how much of a disaster would have been. They probably still would have gotten relegated. Uh and there would just be one more American to get the blame, right? And Pulisic would have a relegation in his resume, which he should never have, by the way. No. <laughs> he can play for no. teams that are on the top, so it doesn't make sense to me. Weston shouldn't have had it either. His no. transfer to Leeds made zero sense. You don't go from Juventus midseason when you are playing. Even if you were going to get benched, you stay. You battle for the spot. You don't yeah. go to a team that has like a 90% chance of getting relegated because your best friend is playing for it. But Pete... Before we continue, can I just go with a quick word from our sponsor here? Should we talk real quick about Gio Reyna first before we go into sponsors since we're like recapping the end of the season? Yeah, yeah. Before I interrupt, go ahead. I, you know, Bundesliga again. So Bayern wins the 11th title. Dortmund had it in the bag. They had it in the bag. All they had to do was win that game. Bellingham's injured. Gio still doesn't start. Gio comes off the bench in, you know, half an hour, gets two assists to almost rescue them. He has, uh, what is it now, 11 goal contributions on the season in less than 1,000 minutes. He's averaging about one goal contribution per 90 minutes played. He changed that game. He wasn't perfect, okay? There were some stray passes. There were some poor corners. But he came on, got two assists, and created another good chance after a mazy run. I'm not of the opinion that Gio needs to leave Dortmund right away, but I do think he needs to sit down with Terzic and talk about his role for next season. Because if they still see him as like mostly a, a super sub, then I think he should leave. I think he's too good to be a super sub right now. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. He came into that game and he looked far more dangerous than any Dortmund player, regardless and of that's the mistakes. Multiple times, and that's not just one game, right? How many times has Gio come off the bench and rescued Dortmund this season? Regardless of of like the, the any mistake he made, he looked far more dangerous, and rightfully so. He got two assists, and and he al almost assisted Mukoko too early when he arrived. He almost got Mukoko a goal, but Mukoko yeah. missed the target. I, I agree. If he's going to be a super sub, even for Dortmund's like own interest, they should loan him to a team, even if it's a mid-table Bundesliga team. I don't care. Loan him to the team. Let yeah. him play a lot of minutes. He'll be productive. His value will go up. Yeah. I, We'll see. We'll see what they're going to do. I think he's proved. Hear, what? Hear me out. Marcus Turam is leaving Gladbach on a free. They need an attacking player to replace Turam. Now, Gio's not Turam. But for Gladbach, who can't afford a lot of players, getting Gio on a loan, he also gets to play with his friend Joe Scali there. They're very good friends. Mm -hmm. I could see that. And that's a good team, Gladbach, right? They're not challenging for titles or Champions League spots, but they're not in relegation threatening. You know, they're a good team. I would be they, fine with that. They could fight for Europa League spot. Yeah, sure, sure. Or Union Berlin needs reinforcements because they have Champions League this year. Mm -hmm. I don't so, think he suits their game, though. No, I don't <laughs> think so either. I think yeah. Gladbach would be better. They love to yeah. play in transition. Gio's very good in transition. He's still a downgrade from Marcus Turan, right? Let's not yeah. pretend he's not Turan. 
No, he's different also. For them. Turam's a lot of pace also. Gio's slower than him, I would say. But but the thing with Union Berlin is Union Berlin, are they like to just sit back, kick the ball forward for a target man, have him battle it out. Geraldo Becker, sometimes Peafock. They play very ugly soccer. It works, and, and they're very well coached, but that's not ideal for Gio. I'm, I'm okay with that too, but I do think Dortmund should reconsider his role and maybe go into the season trying to start Gio. Uh, well, we especially see. because Royce is at the tail end of his career, right? I know he renewed for one more year, but uh, Bellingham is leaving. Royce is not as effective as he used to be. It's time to let Gio cook. They should. We'll see. It was kind of even weird to see Gio constantly be benched. I know he had ups and downs, but... I mean, all these guys in a professional level, they should know. They definitely know. A player Giovanni Reina's age, if you don't consistently play him so he can get confidence, you're going to see these ups and downs very badly. But if you continue to give him minutes and he gets more experience and plays a bit more, gets more comfortable, more confident, he'll be more consistent naturally. But yeah. you're not giving him minutes, so you're going to see much more inconsistency in his performances because he's not consistently playing. It's a bit weird. Uh, it's tough to know, right? Because we don't know. Maybe Dortmund just took it easy because of his injuries. They're like, let's just give him a few minutes and then next season give him a full preseason and he's our start. Maybe yeah. that's the plan. If that's the plan, yeah. stay there. Yeah, we absolutely. Don't know. We don't know. Uh, but yeah, if, he, if it's the same role, I'm kind of open to him getting a move elsewhere. Still in a top five league. Just stay in a top five league. Yeah, Probably 100%. Your best friend. 100%. But going on, thank you very much, Raycon Wireless Earbuds, for sponsoring this podcast. Raycon is a premium audio at perfect price point, so you can listen to what you want, when you want, without breaking the bank. It's affordable. It also has over 50,000 five-star reviews, and they offer free domestic shipping and a flat fee for international shipping. And also, don't forget, they offer a two-year of product protection insurance for just a few bucks. Always affordable. All you have to do right now is go to buyraycon.com. That is buyraycon.com slash THPN to get 15% off your Raycon order. That is buyraycon with a Y, R-A-Y-C-O-N.com slash THPN to score 15% off. That is buyraycon.com slash THPN. Thank you very much, Raycon, for sponsoring this podcast. Pete, the next topic, the U-20s, the U-20s. And we're going to play this Tuesday. By the time everyone's listening to this, we probably already played New Zealand. And if we beat New Zealand, which I'm going to say right now, I fully expect us to beat New Zealand, we will play on Sunday against Gambia or Uruguay. Your first thoughts, your reaction to the bracket that we just got. Yeah, it's a good bracket because it's a realistic bracket, right? We are a better team than New Zealand, for sure, right? That's not even really de debatable. This New Zealand team beat Guatemala 1-0, okay? They drew with Uzbekistan 2-2, and they lost to Argentina 5-0, okay? So this is not a great New Zealand team. By the way, Anthony Hudson's son plays for this New Zealand team. Anthony Hudson used to coach the New Zealand national team and their youth teams. So that's an interesting sort of, you know, wrinkle. But yeah, we should 100% beat New Zealand. Then we match up in the quarterfinal if we beat New Zealand with either Uruguay or Gambia. Both beatable teams, right? They're, Uruguay is a very good team, don't get me wrong, but they're not unbeatable, certainly with the way this team is playing and with the reinforcements that we're getting with both 
Paredes and Puxtas. It's also favorable because Uruguay and Gambia play 48 hours after we do. So that means we get five days of rest if we beat New Zealand. And whoever wins that game only gets three days of rest. That absolutely has an impact, especially playing in the summer heat. They're playing mid in the middle of the day in Argentina, right? It's, no, it's cold. It's cold though. It's it's winter. Oh yeah, it's Argentina. That's right. Yeah, but 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 you're, what you're saying is right, regardless of the weather. There, 48 hours is a lot of time to recover. Three days they won't have as much. Plus, the United States will be able to recover by the time Uruguay is playing right against Gambia. The players will already be ready to train, good training sessions, right? They'll be already fully recovered from the game. They'll be able to sit down, watch Uruguay and Gambia play, know the opponent they're going to face, have three more days to prepare. That is great because keep in mind, Uruguay and Gambia, they'll definitely be watching the United States versus uh, New Zealand, but their focus is not going to be on that game when they're watching it. They're focused on their game. We're right. going to watch Uruguay and Gambia actually analyzing who we're about to face, where, how we should approach this game. Uh, you also add the fact that we get more time to integrate Kevin Paredes and Puxtas. Puxtas arrived over the weekend. Paredes arrived today. So yeah. they, maybe they'll get some minutes against New Zealand. But then we have five days for them to practice the team, get used to the time yeah. zone. For us, it's great. We need to first beat New Zealand. We are the clear favorites. That That is not being arrogant. That's being realistic. We're not trying to jinx the U.S. We are the clear favorites. And once we beat that, Gambia and Uruguay are very tough opponents. But one, they're beatable. In terms of talent level, they are beatable. And two, we have these small advantages here and there that play a role in a game at this level. I'm very optimistic. And then if, if we advanced, it looks like Brazil, as long as Brazil wins their matches, which they probably will, we play Brazil in the semifinals. Then, of course, we're not going to be the favorites against Brazil, but it's a one-leg knockout round. So you really never know. Anything can happen. You never know. Also, our ceiling for the last three under 20 World Cups has been the quarterfinal. So even if we make it out of the quarterfinal and lose the semi, we still get a third-place playoff game, Right. Beating just getting past the quarterfinal is like already the best we've ever done at an under 20 World Cup. So that in alone would be really good for the team, for the development, for the future. I know a lot of teams are missing players, but we are too, right? I put a starting lineup on uh, Twitter the other day of an entire starting lineup that would actually be a very good starting lineup that wasn't at this under 20 World Cup either because they weren't selected or not released or they're injured. So yeah, you committed a crime there, by the way. You forgot Paxton. I Aronson. forgot Paxton Aronson. <laughs> but yeah, it's but when you look at that, it shows that even though we're not creating world-class players, we're creating a lot of good players, right? In the past, we didn't have a, a good starting 11 that didn't go to the under 20 World Cup, right? It, we just didn't. For example, in in 2019, uh, we didn't get Josh Sargent, right? That was the guy that maybe could have played at that under 20 World Cup because he was still eligible. Um, but most of our first team was there. In 2017, we didn't get Weston McKinney. It was like one or two guys. But this time, we're missing a lot of guys, and that's because they're contributors for their teams, right? So Paxton is a contributor over at Frankfurt, although I still think they should have released him. Noel Buck has been one of New England's best players this season. Beautiful Galazzo on the weekend. Jalen Neal is starting at center back for the LA Galaxy, right? At these ages, it's... It's, you know, Brian Gutierrez is starting for Chicago. Brady is starting for Chicago. There's a lot of guys missing that are starting for their teams at MLS, which is a decent level when you're U20. But yeah, it's very exciting. Um, we'll see, you know, we need to be clinical and focused on New Zealand and not get ahead of ourselves. But then once we do, that's where it really starts to get fun. 
Yeah, so we're all optimistic about that. It's looking good. We'll keep everyone posted. We're obviously going to continue all the coverage on the YouTube channels, and we'll update you all next week. So the episode next week, we will already be done with the quarterfinals. So by then, we'll know if the U.S. made it to the semifinals or not. And if we didn't, we'll recap the competition. If we did, we'll probably do somewhat of a preview. But there's a lot more to look forward to this uh, this summer, Pete. And probably the main event or one of the main events is the CONCACAF Nations League. And we're mm. going to get our roster this week. By the time people are listening to this, maybe the roster is out already. It's going to be an A roster, right? It seems that way, yeah. It does seem that way. With that said, how many of the Burhalter boys you think will make the roster? The under-20 roster, not... I'm sorry, the Nations League roster, not many, I don't think. Ariola's still injured. Morris got injured over the weekend. So those are two that almost certainly won't there won't be there. We're hearing Jesus Ferreira won't be there, that he'll be in the Gold Cup. So that's three right there. Roldan's an interesting one um, because it's hard to tell with Hudson because we don't have a lot of data on him. When the European guys were available, he didn't select Roldan, but that's just one camp. So it'll be interesting to see what Hudson does. I think we'll probably get Walker and Acosta. Right, uh, Miles Robinson too. And Miles Robinson. Maybe Yedlin. Yeah. Uh, maybe Sean Johnson as the third as goalkeeper, the third which, which wouldn't matter. That I don't care about at that point. That's just picking. But Yedlin probably shouldn't be there, right? We have no. better options. But I think Yedlin will be there. Miles and Zimmerman will probably be there as well. Acosta. I doubt Roldan will be there. I doubt yeah, it. Yeah, I doubt it also. He hasn't been in any camp, not because he wasn't really called in, right? So Camp Cupcake, he wasn't called in in January because of the Sounders World Cup, the Club World Cup. Yeah. Then he didn't get called into that camp that had mostly Euro players. The El Cachico, yeah. he was injured. So sure, he wasn't called in because there were other circumstances, but he hasn't been in any camp. So it doesn't really make sense to bring him in right now. It's also a 23-man roster. We got to yeah. remember that. So it's a smaller roster. Which means, for example, we might only see two center forwards. I'm expecting Balogun and Pepe yeah. uh, to be there. It's a smaller roster in general, so we're probably not going to see. A couple question marks that we still have are the following. One, is Tyler Adams going to be available? We don't know that yet. I right? don't think so. I, I don't think so either. He hasn't played any single minute. Apparently, he's coming back. Uh, from injury so uh, he's probably not gonna be, if he can play 15 minutes let's say he's like semi-fit do you bring him in no i mean no. if he can play it depends like where are we at if, is he back to full training then yes but if he's still doing straight line training or individual training with the ball i would say no because they're gonna be very intense games you can't I don't want to say waste the roster spot, but bring it. If you bring a guy who isn't ready to contribute and you potentially risk injuring him again, if you put him in too early, then I would say pump the brakes on that and send him to Gold Cup. So, who would be the midfielders? Because I think we're going to bring six midfielders total. So, some of them are easy Geo, Weston, Musa, Luca, those four, right? Probably mm -hmm. Acosta as well. So, that's five. five right there already. Those are your five midfielders. Mm -hmm. That one extra spot, it depends what Hudson decides to do with that. Remember, Pulisic and Aronson can also play centrally if you need them to. I could see it going to a guy like an Alan Senora, you know, a guy who maybe could be in the Gold Cup roster or is maybe not quite Gold Cup roster ready, but could be a decent substitute or just depth piece with the Nations. Wouldn't it be better to bring Johnny instead of Senora? 
I could see that. The question is, is Johnny going to play? Because if you have a double pivot, right? And that should be for now, our backup to Tyler Adams is not a single player. It should be a double pivot. Then if you're going to bring on a defensive player, they're going to bring on Acosta. So then Johnny might not get any minutes. So I'd rather Johnny go to the Gold Cup where he could actually play a lot. Yeah, just one information is he might not go to the Gold Cup if uh, even if he's called in. He's supposed to finalize his transfer in July. And if that then, happens, yeah. he's not going. So Then I could see bringing him in. Yeah, I mean, he scored two goals the last two games in Brazil. Uh, last game he scored and he also participated in the goal. Technically, it would be better for us to just not bring Acosta and start to integrate Johnny, start to like put him around the group and you know yeah. get him involved. But I agree with you. I think Acosta will be there, unfortunately. Uh, I think we're still going to persist on a player that probably shouldn't be playing for the A squad of the national team. If we bring a B no. team, sure. And a player like Tim Tillman, for example, is a better player than Acosta. You see that when you watch LAFC. He's a yeah. more complete player than Kellen Acosta. We'll see. Malik Tillman, another player that's an option for the midfield. He's not in provisional roster. He's injured. For the defense, Tim Ream is out. He's injured. Cameron Carter-Vickers is out. He's injured. For the winger position, we pretty much have every one of the best players available. You already mentioned that Ariola's out, Morris is out, but the best players, Pulisic's healthy, Aronson's healthy, Weah's healthy, Tara Booth is healthy, Zendejas is probably healthy for one of the summer tournaments. He's going to probably yeah. have to get no surgery at some point. But those are the players. Uh, and then before we talk about Gold Cup, I think Gold Cup roster is a bit more interesting to talk about because they've reported that the Gold Cup roster will not be the same. Originally, apparently it was. Allegedly, it was supposed to be. But then it's not. And that's where it becomes tricky because we, we should address that right after our sponsor ad right now. What should be done in the Gold Cup? Because there's two ways it can go. You can do what Greg Berhalter did in 2021, which he just put his favorites to give him a ton of minutes. Or you can actually use the Gold Cup to give minutes to players that are like almost in our A roster, young players that are breaking out, which would probably be more useful, even if you lose the Gold Cup. But it would be more useful to do that instead of giving opportunities to, you know, Morris, Ariola, Roldan, Aaron Long. But before yeah. we go to that, Pete, because I want to hear your thoughts on it, a quick word from our other sponsor and one that many are probably familiar with, which is DraftKings Sportsbook. Light the lamp during the hockey playoffs with DraftKings Sportsbook. Right now, new customers can make a $5 bet and score $150 in bonus bets instantly. All you have to do, it's very easy. You have to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now and sign up with the code THPN. New customers can make a $5 bet on a hockey playoff match and score $150 in bonus bets instantly with the code THPN on the app DraftKings Sportsbook. So once again, thank you, DraftKings, for sponsoring this podcast. And don't forget to use the code THPN. It's the same code used for Raycon as well. So thank you very much, DraftKings Sportsbook. Please use the code THPN. All right, Pete, Gold Cup roster, what would you do? I've got a lot of thoughts on this. Um... We don't have much preparation, like competitive games between now and next summer. And next summer is very, very crucial. We have Olympics and Copa America. And we have some friendlies this fall. And then, of course, we have Camp Cupcake, which is meaningless, over in January. And then we have Nations League group games, right? Which is nothing. Like, that's not, a, not, it's not competitive. We need to integrate youth now. Like... 
the Gold Cup is the perfect time to bring in a combination of one or two MLS vets, okay? So like Walker Zimmerman and Acosta, I can see being there, all right, just for their veteran experience and to the Gold Cup, so they should be okay for that. Guys on the fringe of our A-team roster, and then impressive under 20 players. So a guy like Obed Vargas, for example, should probably be in the in the Gold Cup. You know, uh, Caleb Wiley is somebody that could maybe get a Gold Cup spot. Brian Gutierrez and Paxton Aronson, who aren't with the U-20s. Jalen Neal. I'm Kevin not saying Paredes. these guys are start what? Kevin Paredes, Puxtas, all these guys. Paredes, Puxtas. I'm not saying they're starters necessarily right away in the Gold Cup. But if they're in that roster and they can maybe play against Nicaragua and start to get integrated with the senior team, it's much better for our long-term future and specifically for next summer because we have such little amount of preparation time between now and then. It's better to integrate them now than to waste more minutes on your Areolas, your Morrises, your Roldans, you know, Yedlins, guys like that. Brian Reynolds, for example, is a guy who's Olympic eligible. He should be probably starting in the Gold Cup if Scally and Dest are not there. You know, pr- get him ready for that Olympics next year. Um, Caleb Wiley at left back could be interesting. You know, maybe Dewan Jones gets an opportunity just as a as a piece in the Gold Cup. Tim Tillman in midfield, Alan Senora, Obed Vargas, Richie Ledesma, guys who are younger or haven't had much opportunity yet that we think will be better than some of these MLS lifers, either now or in the near future, right? Like you could make a case Obed Vargas might already be better than Kellen Acosta. And he's only 17 years old. Definitely more talented. I I think that's not debatable even. But we can also include players like Austin Trusty that probably won't play Nations League. Yeah. He's having a good season in England. Put Austin Trusty. Mark McKenzie might not be a starter. John Anthony Brooks? John Brooks, bring him back too. Bring John Brooks back. Uh, Josh Sargent, be the starting center forward. That's another one right yeah. there. Uh, Taylor Booth, why not? Yeah. Why not bring yeah. him in? Give him all games. He can start. He's been very good in, in the, the, the the Dutch league. That's another player. So that's probably what we, we should be looking into. What you don't want to see is a very stacked roster with the Burhalter boys where yeah. you have Aaron Long starting, where you have... Rodon, Ariola, and Morris all in the starting 11, like we had in that one with Legette. Well, Legette won't be back, but players like also Paxton Pomico, I don't think like we should even give a look. It's not worth it right now. Tim Tillman is a good shout. Uh, I don't know the situation with Malik Tillman, if he will be healthy. If he is healthy, I would bring him in if he is healthy. Yeah. Uh, the problem is that Gold Cup starts so soon after Nations League. Like First Nations League game is June 15th. First Gold Cup game is June 24th. We're talking about nine days later. So if you're not healthy for Nations League, what are the chances you're healthy nine days later? You would have to be right on the fringe of Nations League. Like almost you could already play in Nations League, but it's just a little too soon and we just bring you in for the the Gold Cup. And maybe you're not healthy for that first Gold Cup game, but we can bring you in against Nicaragua, right? That's So let me ask you this then, because you just mentioned a player being just like, Almost ready, almost healthy for Nations League. That could be Tyler Adams. He could be almost ready for Nations League. And then those extra nine days plus the group stage, he could be good to go for like a Gold Cup. Is there any scenario you'd be willing to bring Tyler or you want him to just go straight to his club? Because let's say, let's put it this way. Let's say Tyler Adams stays with Leeds and he knows that by now. He's like, okay, I'm going to have to stay with Leeds. 
I don't think he necessarily needs a full preseason with Leeds. He's their best midfielder right there. So it, it wouldn't really matter. He would be the starter. Would you bring him to Gold Cup? Maybe he can pick up form there, give him some minutes in the group stage. By the time we get to the knockout rounds, he starts for us. Would you consider that? Yeah, 100%. Kyra Adams also has had the last few months off because he's injured. So it's not like he needs an offseason to rest and recover, right? Mm -hmm. He's had that. Um, so I would definitely, if he's healthy for Gold Cup, just make him the captain. And then, to be honest, you don't need to bring Acosta to Gold Cup if Adams is healthy. You could bring Vargas as Adams' backup and let Vargas learn from Adams. This is what I do in my role. This is how I play. That is building towards the future. Also, having Adams in the Gold Cup gives us much better chances of winning, winning it. We still want to win the Gold Cup, and we should, yeah. right? We're not. It's not just a participation tournament. And by the way, bringing in youth is not necessarily making us worse. Like, I'm sorry, bringing in Kevin Paredes for me is better than bringing in. He's a better player than Paul Ariola. Paul Ariola would not get minutes in the Bundesliga. Okay. Bringing in a guy like uh, Austin Trusty, for example, is better than bringing in Aaron Long. So bringing in these guys on the fringe, you know, Taylor Booth's already a better player than Jordan Morris. Mm -hmm. Josh Sargent, he's not a young kid, but he's better than any of the other MLS lifers at that level. So it's not that you're bringing in youth makes us worse. It actually makes us the same or better. Cause you could argue maybe a lack of experience might for some of these kids might struggle, but like, look at Obed Vargas, Obed Vargas played almost an entire CCL final against, uh, not Leon who is Pumas. Pumas. Pumas and looked completely comfortable at that level. So why are we saying he wouldn't look comfortable at the gold cup? Right. And that was a year and a half ago. So I don't think these guys are not ready to play in CONCACAF like these under 20s. Some of them would already be fine in CONCACAF. CONCACAF um, is also not very good. So they're, yeah, probably, they're more talented than all the most players they're going to face. Yes. Yes, exactly. Um, I, I, I agree with that. And hopefully, because we want the gold, we want to win the gold cup, but we want it to be also productive for our long-term goals. That's what we want from it. Is there anything else to talk about today? Or that's mostly everything for the podcast? I think that's pretty much it. I do want to talk. Maybe we could talk about this next week after the quarterfinal and the second round. A little bit about what under 20 success at the under 20 level means. We haven't had success at the under 20 level yet. Okay. We are the only team in the world that's consistently made it to the last three quarterfinals. And it mm -hmm. looks likely we're going to do that again. Right. If we do beyond that, I want to have a discussion about what does it mean about the future? Because it's easy sometimes to go, this team is doing really well. They, you know, even if they win, let's it's not going to happen very likely. But let's say the US wins the under 20 World Cup. That would be incredible for the growth of the game, for you know, people's uh excitement about the program. It will speak to the quality of the player pool that we're developing. But we but we need to have a bigger discussion about what do, does winning youth tournaments mean for you long-term? Because there are a lot of teams, most recently Ukraine, before that Serbia, before that Nigeria, Mexico, who've won youth tournaments, and it hasn't necessarily translated to senior team success. But that's Mexico. a different discussion. Mexico. Yeah, Mexico. So that's a different discussion, which we'll get into what, I, what we might do next week if we win that quarterfinal. Maybe yeah, we'll wait until after the tournament, but really look at the last under-20 rosters and see what they mean. And I, I think there is an important discussion because if we make it to the semifinals, we should celebrate. We should be happy. We should be optimistic. And it is a great accomplishment. 
but we don't want to overhype these players. That's what I'm saying. It, yeah. We'll talk about it next week because we haven't yeah. made it. We could lose to New Zealand and then this whole podcast is ruined. Yeah. We'll end it or right here. Beat New Zealand and then lose to Uruguay. Exactly. So we'll end it right here. Thank you very much for listening, everyone. Stay tuned. We're going to continue to cover the U20s. And the summer is here. The U.S. Nations League roster will also be out this week. So that's another topic we're probably going to be covering. No, that's another topic we most certainly will be covering we'll cover next, next week. week. Yeah. Thank you very much for listening. Bye-bye.